Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Well, we are in the last installment of our series that we've called Alternate Endings. And so our, our team picks on me that I, that I love every series, um, but I just do. I enjoy all of them. And so Alternate Endings has been a ton of fun. And here's what I have enjoyed. I have enjoyed that y'all have picked up that piece of vocabulary. And you're like, Pastor Brandon, I, we've, I've, I'm seeing an alternate ending with this, and I'm seeing an alternate ending there, and we're praying for an alternate ending over here. And, and it's just helped... Uh, focus our minds in such a way that we see that God alters endings. That just because things are going in a certain direction doesn't mean that they have to stay on those rails. That God can derail things in a really good way and put things on a new and better trajectory. So if you've got your version app open, you got your bulletin, uh, here we are. We're going to jump into this concept that the resurrection is the greatest alternate ending ever and reminds us that God still alters endings, that he still is in the business of being active in our lives. And that when we see the resurrection, that if God can pull Jesus' body out of the grave, him be there and go around and do miracles and speak for, for an extended period of time, for 40 days, and then be ascended up into heaven in front of all these people's view, then you know what? I think God can do some pretty cool stuff. I think we can take him, our problems, our issues, and trust him with our whole lives. And we've looked at 1 Peter 1, 3. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He's given us new birth and, and a living hope, a living hope through resurrection, through the resurrection. Um, on behalf of, of me and my family, and um, I have so much felt and appreciated your prayers this week. A lot of you know, um, a lot of you know that um, my grandfather uh, passed away uh, last week, and we did his memorial service this past uh, Monday. In fact, uh, a couple of y'all sweet uh, folks made the journey to Andrews, Texas, and were a part of that, and uh, just really, really blessed me and my family. And uh, anyways, and so I, I've done lots and lots of funerals, and people who ha had their hope firmly in Christ, and people who had their hope in Christ, and there's a difference and one of the things that I, I just so appreciated that I got to, to see and experience is the, the heritage of faith. And there was a, I had a, a Timothy moment there with my grandmother. And if you're not familiar with Timothy, um, then Paul tells Timothy, he says that you're the, the faith that was in your, in your grandmother and in your mother is also, I see, clearly alive in you. And... I, I got to see my grandmother's faith and this, this truth of the hope of the resurrection. And as we're there, and it's, it's tearful, and, and if you know my papa, and I've shared lots of papa stories, it's funny. Um, and he was, he was a funny guy. 
But I tell you what, when I sat there and watched my grandmother sit there and grieve from a place of hope, man, I tell you what, it was just such an amazing, beautiful thing to see not some ginned up strength or something worked up, but something solid and real, knowing that she's going to see my grandfather again that this was not the end in any shape, form, or fashion, that their ending has been forever altered by the resurrection of Christ. And she was able to smile and cry at the same time, and it was a beautiful thing. And I get to stand as a minister. I stand with the with the casket, and, and, and as everybody comes by and says their final moments before that, that lid is closed. And, um, you know, I, I've seen a lot, a lot of widows go by and, and, and have that moment. And um, I didn't know. I didn't know <clears throat> how my grandmother was going to respond. And, uh, ooh, this is catching me off guard. Um, and so as she comes, comes past, um, you know, she had had her tears. She had had just what she said, just cried her eyes out. And she comes through and has that final moment. And she touches his hand. And she looks at me and she says, he's still a good-looking man. <laughs> and I was like, that's right, Mimo. And so, and I just, I just love that. I just love that strength and that hope. And it wasn't falling apart. And it wasn't, it wasn't just in shambles. And here is this moment that, folks, none of us were built for. We were not built for death. When we were created in the garden, we were created to live. And we were created to live forever in the presence of God. And sin and our own willfulness brought this thing called death into our world. And that's why it just hurts and it's terrible. And we don't like it because we weren't built for it in any shape, form, or fashion. But there is a hope that allows us to come in and is the truth of what Christ has done and the power of the resurrection. And it is a beautiful, life-changing thing. <clears throat> and so as we experience this, as we live this out, we need to understand that we can help others experience an alternate ending. It is so amazing that, this, that the alternate ending came to us, that we can have one. What an amazing thing that we get to have an alternate ending. That just because life had gone in one direction... Just because marriage had gone in one direction, just because health had gone in one direction, just because all of these different things had gone in one direction, doesn't mean that it has to stay there. That God and His promises are sure and true, and, and we can begin to lean on Him and praise God for us to have an alternate ending. But I want us to see that we shouldn't be a dead end for those things. We get brought into the story of a God who alters endings. And he doesn't just fix us up and stick us on a little shelf and we're one more little trophy over here. He invites us into the process, into the story. We get tagged and we get recruited to be a part of this. It is absolutely amazing. And I want us to look at a really cool story. We sang rooftops today. And we're about to look at a rooftop that got some, played a role. So let's look at Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, verse 2, says, They gathered in such large numbers, this is people, that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he, Jesus, preached the word to them. And some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man 
So here is this, Jesus is in this house. People have shown up. They filled the place. They filled the outside as they're crowding around the door trying to hear Jesus. And there's some people who knew where Jesus was going to be, and they went and got a buddy of theirs who was paralyzed, got him on a, on, on a cot. And as they're trying to carry him through town, everything got filled up. Everything got filled up all around them. And they couldn't get him to Jesus. They couldn't get him to Jesus. And I'm so thankful as we're about to see what they didn't do. They didn't go, oh my, maybe next time, and turn around and carry him back. They didn't do the whole, uh, you know, take him to the concert and crowd surf him. You know, lift him up. Hey, everybody pass, pass our buddy Ralph. He needs some Jesus. And just kind of hand him off and say, you know, hope you make it. You know? And so they, they didn't do that. They held on to the truth that they wanted to get him to Jesus. Not near Jesus, not around Jesus, not pass him off to somebody who was a little bit closer to Jesus than they were. They're like, I want to get him to Jesus. So then they came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Folks, this was not just like a little retractable deal. Like it just, poof, they just pull it back and here it goes into some fast thing. They dig through a Middle Eastern roof. This is this clay and wood. It's strong enough for grown men to be on top of this. It's a big, thick structure. And they hammer through and dig through this so they can lower this guy through. I guarantee you, I've done a little bit of remodeling. Anytime something's happening on the roof, I'm telling you, stuff is falling on you. And get it in your eyes. Nobody had this eye protection I guarantee you everybody's sitting there, and there's some people who are a little irritated. It made some people mad. There's some people who said, I got here three hours early. I slept outside and waited so I could have the front row seat. And seriously, you're going to get dirt and twigs in my eyes and take my front row spot? And they're like, yep. <laughs> yes, we are, because it isn't about us. It's about somebody that needs Jesus. They lowered the mat the man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but, but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, I love it that Jesus just calls out in the open what they're thinking in their hearts. He says, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or do you say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I want you to know that I have authority to forgive sins, to, to, to fix everything, not just the physical broken, but to fix all of it, to deal with everything that, we, that separates us from God and, and wrecks our world. He has the authority to deal with all of it, the whole package. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. 
I love it that he's like, you can get out of here. Now, well, where is he going? There's everybody's crowded around. I'm telling you, all of a sudden, people started, when the authority and what God had done, people began to make a way for that guy. All of a sudden, people who weren't letting him in were letting him out. All of a sudden, things began to change in the way things were dealt with him and, and things were happening around him. And he got up and he took his mat and he walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we've never seen anything like this. We've never seen anything like this. Folks, our alternate ending is often found in helping others. Here we are. We've got four guys who we're talking about thousands of years later. We don't know the name of the guy who was paralyzed, and we don't know any of the four friends. But these guys made the Bible, folks. These guys made the Bible. These guys, when we talk about who Jesus is and his character and that he can forgive sins and that he's a, he's a God who heals and, and, and cares, these guys are part of that story. And their new ending. Their alternate ending was found in helping others. Galatians 6, 2 says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. See, we, <clears throat> James chapter 4, verse 17, it's not, on your, it's not on your screen or in your notes, but it gives us a, a new definition of sin. So many times we get wrapped up in this concept of, of sin, and we don't want to sin, and it's all the things we ought to quit doing. We ought to all the naughty stuff, like don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. But, but the, the New Testament view of sin is not that what should we stop doing. It's about stepping into all the good that we should be doing. James chapter 4, verse 17 says, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for that person. The good that we know that we should do, and we put it on the back burner. The, the alternate ending we should be a part of, and we don't do it, that's where we're stepping out of God's best for us. We're missing out. It was a miss for me. It was jacking up my world to not do good for somebody else. It wasn't just the good. God's going to take care of them. But you know what he can't force? He can't force me to be a part of the, his plan for me. And that good, me being a part of it, was part of his plan for me. So all of a sudden, I have now deviated a little bit from God's best plan for my life when I don't step into the good that he's called me to do. And guess what? Somebody else can feed that person. Yep. Somebody else can step in and take care of those needs. Happens all the time. Somebody else, God taps another person on the shoulder. But guess what? When I say no, it's not that the other person, as much as the other person is getting robbed because God is a good God and he's going to take care of them. He is faithful. You know what? Is you missed an opportunity. I would have missed an opportunity to live a little bit more of the fullness of, of God in my life. I missed part of my alternate ending. I was supposed to be a part of that good moment. And I, I'm the one that said no. And God will fulfill the need. He'll take care of that person. So this isn't even this thing about this guilt that there's some good in the world that I'm responsible for. And only you can do it. No, God takes care of people. God does it. He takes care of people. But you know what? He doesn't usurp our will. You have to step into these things. The good that he has for you to do, the, the, the fullness of the plan he has for your life, you have to step into it. You have to say yes. 
Let's look at Matthew 25, Matthew 25, verse 34. This is a passage of scripture we have been chewing on and referencing in our team meetings for months now. And we'll end up in the fall, we're going to spend a good bit of time here as a church. But I want to seed it in here right now. Matthew 25, verse 34. It says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. And I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. And I was sick, and you looked after me. And I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when when did we see you hungry and feed you? I, I, I don't remember this at all. Or or thirsty and give you something to drink? And and when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothes you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you, you did it for me. You did it for me. That was when that took place. Now, I have a question for you. Does God have a hierarchy of his kids? Does God have favorite kids and less favorite kids? And the brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God, does he have greats and leasts? No, he does not. He does not. So why is he telling these, saying, when you did it for the least... You were doing that for me. If he doesn't have a least, where's this frame of reference he's talking about? Folks, we've got to be honest. You and I have a least. We don't want to. We don't like it. We so try to peel it off of our nature, but we do. We do have a least. We have people in our lives, if we even thought for a second that they needed a place to stay, our house would be open to them immediately. That if we even thought for a second they needed some food, man, we would be all over it. And that's awesome. That if if we found out that they ended up in jail, we would be shocked. How did that person end up in jail? And we would go visit them and go immediately go see what, what happened. We have those people in our lives, and we do these things. We, 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 we feed each other, and we clothe each other, and we be there for each other, and we do these things. But Jesus says that how we encounter him isn't with all those that are closest to us, although we should be showing a lot of love there. It's how do we deal with the people that fall on our least list? The person that gets on our nerves the most. Do we make sure their needs are taken care of? Will we go out of our way to visit them? Will we make sure that they've got clothes and food and those different kinds of things? And he tells this group, he said, you know what, you did it. When you were doing that to that person that you just... Just, just drove you up the wall. 
you were doing that for me. When that person that just ah, was tough to love, man, you were loving me. You were loving me when you stepped into that place that it wasn't just easy and it just gushed out of you, but you just connected. You were loving me. Folks, for us to step into the fullness, the fullness of who we're called to be as individuals and certainly who we're called to be as a church, folks, we've got to increase our space of love. we got to increase who we're going to reach our hand out to and who we're going to go out of the way for. We're going to. So many times we judge our love level by all the people we care for that are in our close-knit circle. But Jesus says our love level is determined by those that are in that further circle. We may not be able to get rid of a lease list. But what we can do is change how we respond to people on our lease list. We can change that. And you know what's a beautiful thing? Is as we begin to show love, all of a sudden they take another step up. And they take another step up. And they take another step up. And it begins to change things and bring things into right place. Folks, the greatest declaration of love for God is to love those he loves. God so loved the world. Yes, he loved my world. And he loved all the people closest to me and dearest to me. But he also loved the people that I go, God, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it, God. And we, our greatest declaration of love is to love those he loves. See, loving others keeps the chain reaction of alternate endings going. Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. See, part of Lolita's story, the, the video we, we showed at the, um, after worship, is Lolita said yes to go to India. And the way that E3 does their work there is instead of just being in one big group, then Lolita was part of a, of a mini team, a small team. And she was part of a national, with a, had paired with a national pastor and interpreter. So there's two people from India and her. And that in India, they're a little more open, for whatever reason, to this American being over there. And they want to visit with the American and do that. Should, should that be favored? No, but it is. So we, they step into it. Lolita's team of three. Lolita's team of three shared the gospel with over 100 people in their homes. 77 people came to Christ because of a lady in our church that said yes to go to India. Got paired up with a, a pastor and interpreter. You know what? Had she not gone, that team of three would not have existed. Those homes would not have been entered. That 77 wouldn't have had the opportunity to do it. And then she shared that one of them got trained up and began to share on his own. 
and begin to use the tools and use those different things. They also established four home groups, four home churches. So out of here, they led those many people and then left four house churches behind in India off of saying yes. Our alternate ending should spill over. But sometimes we got to get out of our comfort zones. Now, do you have to say yes and, and, and go to, to a third world nation or go to an impoverished part of a developing country to make a difference? No. No. You can do it here. You can do it wherever. You can pay attention to your server at lunch today. If they seem a little harried and frustrated and heavy hearted, you can offer to pray for them. You can see somebody in need and go out of your way to help. You can pay attention to frustrations in people's lives and pray for them without them even knowing you're praying. Without even making a production out of it. You can begin to see things shift as we say, God, you've altered my ending and I'm so ready to be a part of seeing that go forward and spill forward. Our bottom line today is, is that alternate endings are contagious. They're contagious. And here's the truth. The only way your alternate ending isn't contagious is if you quarantine yourself. That's the only way. That's the only way is if you take what God has done in your life and you quarantine it off and you don't let anybody else know or see or be a part of it. But you start to open up just a little bit about what God has done in your life and the alternate ending. It's going to start to spark and it is going to be contagious. And it is going to make a difference in somebody else's life, I guarantee it. Only you can shut it down by quarantining it. See, your story isn't over. The resurrection reminds us that God still alters endings. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.